Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and today I'm going to meet for the very first time Joanna Weaver. She's written a book called Embracing Trust, and she says in her book that um, as we have trusted Jesus for our salvation, we need to trust him for our transformation and everything else in our lives. That's awfully encouraging. Joanna, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about you and your book, and I know that's kind of a opening question, but I know you'll do a great job with it. Well, I'm Joanna from Montana. I live in the beautiful Big Sky State and was born and raised here. I'm pastor's wife, mama three, grandma to four beautiful kids, and God called me to write back when I was a kind of a young mom with um, just a just a message on my heart, and so it's been my privilege to write all of these years. But this book was the book I had always wanted to write from the moment I finished my first um, nonfiction book for women, Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. Mm-hmm. But God kept saying, uh, no, I need you to let go of that, and I need you to do this other thing, which was kind of ironic because the title was Letting Go and Trusting God. But over the years, that message has just even grown from beyond just letting go and surrender, which I just think is so crucial. But then how do we hold on in faith? Mm-hmm. And so we just look at 16 chapters of different facets of what it looks like to truly trust the Lord with all our heart. Mm-hmm. I would love for you to talk about this unshakable faith when we're in the middle of very difficult, challenging, uncertain mm-hmm. times. Because yeah. I know we all need that. We really, really do. You know, um, I've realized that without knowing it, sometimes we can have holes in our foundation, you know, maybe gaps in our theology or or even some false beliefs about God and and disappointments that are maybe just kind of simmering under the surface. And so I really think it's important to kind of take take time to really look at what lies beneath. And, and really begin to drill down to bedrock. Because too often, I don't know about you, Bill, but I build my life on the shifting sand of circumstances. Mm. And when things are going well, then praise the Lord, hallelujah. But when things are hard, I can sometimes default to the false belief that I'm all alone and that God has forgotten me and that He doesn't care. And yet, all through Scripture, we see it is in the hard times in the difficulties that we encounter God in ways that we can't see Him or or experience Him in the easy days of life. And so I really believe that we need to, an end times kind of faith that can stand the, sh- the shaking. And God said it was going to happen. I mean, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. We're, I think sometimes we believe that our current climate like, like, oh my goodness, things are falling apart. But, but there have been seasons of great trial and difficulty for every generation of Christians from, from the New Testament church. And have we really drilled down to the bedrock of, first of all, who God is? 
because that's the thing that was so really revolutionary for my own life as I was working on this book was I had sort of tried to work up faith on my own. Like, I know I need to believe God, bad me, terrible me. But when I began to see the trustworthiness of our God, how incredibly faithful He is, and begin to kind of step out of the weeds of my circumstance and really get um, that heavenly point of view that sees sees a little bit better of how God works and how He He uses everything the enemy means for evil and works it for our good. Well, I'll tell you what, something like almost like this beautiful inner strength begin to rise up in my soul. But I've got to live from that place. I've got to anchor my heart to to bedrock. And so we talk a lot about that in the book. Mm -hmm. Joanna Weaver is my guest, and her book is called Embracing Trust. Uh, Joanna, what are some signs that we might have trust issues? Yeah, well, I think that there are probably so many, probably uh, individually that we experience it in different ways. But I, some of the ones that have come to my mind that I've either experienced or, or seen in the lives of others that are struggling to trust God is I think probably the number one is we want to stay in the driver's seat. <laughs> we want to retain control because we're a little bit afraid of what mm-hmm. God might ask us to do or where he might take us. Uh, a lot of us keep God at a distance. Um, it feels safer that way. You know, we're we're not sure we really want to hear what He might have to say. Um, one of the big things that, uh, for me, where a trust issue comes up is I tend to limit God by my own limitations. Um, if I can't see how it's going to work out, or if I don't feel like I have the resources or the strength, sometimes believing that God can even use my brokenness and my ineptness, and He can work through me for His glory. Uh, a lot of us, I think, if we were really honest, struggle struggle to believe that God loves us. Mm-hmm. You know, we have it in our head, but we don't have it in our heart. And so, um, yeah, I mean, wherever that sticky place is, where that, wherever that yeah, but... You know, that arises in our heart when when someone says, you know, God loves you. Well, yeah, but you can, you can trust the Lord. Yeah, but that might be a place that we have a trust issue that needs to be examined. Mm-hmm. Joanna, in your book, Embraceable Trust, you, you talk about why we need to cultivate an unoffendable heart. What does mm-hmm. that mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Jesus said that it's impossible that offenses shouldn't come. Uh, you know, we're, we live in a world that's fallen, uh, fallen people, uh, and we're fallen ourselves, and so we wound each other. People let us down. Life is hard. And so if we're not careful, um, sometimes we can believe the lie that that thing that someone did to us has ruined our life. And, um, and, you know, let's just be honest. I think we've all experienced betrayals mm-hmm. or abandonments, and, and the emotion is so big. It's so big. And if we don't take that to the Lord, um, you know, sweeping it under the rug doesn't take care of it, and neither does holding on to the offense. And so one of the things I just talk about is, is bringing that hurt to the Lord, asking the Holy Spirit to help us hammer out forgiveness, but even go a step farther to where we begin to have the unoffendable heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That even when he was insulted, he didn't trade insult for insult, the Bible tells us. Instead, he entrusted himself 
to the one who judges justly. And that's the thing that's so beautiful, especially when you bring the idea of trusting God into those those wounds and those injustices, rather than secretly believing that our life has been ruined by that person or that situation, yeah. that it's, it's beyond remedy and we feel obligated to hold on to offense and make that person pay, we can bring it to the Lord and not only relinquish our right to be treated fair, but and our and our need to forgive and but also we give God room to work because he's our great redeemer God and he loves to take the things that the enemy means for evil and to work it for our good. Joanna, do you have a personal story of hammering out uh, forgiveness in a friendship? Oh yeah. Oh good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got lucky. Oh yeah, I, I I tell this story in some other books as well that I had a friend that um that I, I had said something that had offended her, and so I went and forgave her. I asked for forgiveness. She wouldn't forgive. Well, you know how that, that goes, mm-hmm. right? That's not pretty. And she was done with me, and then I got offended at her her offendedness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, That's, I, you know, because I wasn't even all that wrong. She had her part to play, right? All that stuff we play in our mind. And it got to this place where um, I could just feel my soul starting to kind of shrivel and get hard and cold. And I just realized I've got to get along with the Lord. I've got to hammer out forgiveness. And, um, you know, I think that that's the thing that we need to understand. When we struggle to forgive, we can take that to the Lord. Because the same grace that saved us is the grace that wants to change us. And He can give us that willingness to let go of the offense and, and that willingness to move on. And so what I realized was the Lord was asking me, you know, the Bible says, live at peace with all men as far as it concerns you. And I just felt like the Lord said, Joanna, build your side of the bridge, but don't stand on the end of the bridge shouting at her to build her side. Mm, interesting. Just be ready. Just be ready for reconciliation. And you know, when it came, it was so sweet. I was ready and she was ready. And I think so often we write people off or, or we let that that hurt hardened into resentment and we begin to shut down not only against people, but also against God. And so this issue of hammering out forgiveness is big and it's not easy, but with the Lord's help, it is possible. Yeah, it is not easy. And thank you for saying that. And thank you for offering an example of something that you did. I think it's a great image of you standing at the bridge and your side is ready and it's a beautiful moment. So thank you for sharing that. You bet. Yeah. Joanna Weaver is my guest. Her book is Embracing Trust. We're going to take a break and we come back and we'll have lots more with Joanna. We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio change the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today.
Welcome to the show. I'm talking to Joanna Weaver or Joanna from Montana. During the break, I called the state of Montana, and she does, in fact, have the copyright to that name, Joanna from Montana. So congratulations on that. Um, of course, I just made that up, Joanna. Don't worry about it. Um, let's, let's talk about, uh, about the fig leaves you talk about in your book, Embracing yeah. Trust. Explain this to us, and then maybe what are some of the steps we can take to identify our own fig leaves? Yeah, it sounds like a strange a strange statement until you put it in context. Uh, you know, I've just for me personally, even in every book I've written, somehow I find my way back to the garden because I think we can learn so much from that moment. Um, and really, as I was considering, like, where does this this struggle we have to trust God, where does it even come from? And I think you can go back to the garden where Satan came sowing discontent and doubt and telling Adam and Eve, God doesn't love you like you think he does. He's not as good as you think he is. He's trying to withhold. You need to take control. Well, that distrust that got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden, it's the same thing the enemy tries to tempt us with today. And yet I believe that when we come to that place uh, of just saying, Lord, teach me to trust you with my whole heart, going all in with him, fully surrendering our lives, I believe trust is the key back to the garden, back to intimate friendship with him. And and so this whole idea of, you know, when when they chose to rebel and took, excuse me, and, take, and ate the forbidden fruit, you know, they didn't die like they thought they were going to. You know, like God said, if you eat that, you're going to surely die. No, but what they didn't understand was something inside of them died. Their spirit died. But immediately with their rebellion, their eyes was were opened to their desperate nakedness. And so they sowed fig leaves. And I think even as Christians, if we're not careful... We can, we can do the same thing where we come to Jesus and we, we receive him, his forgiveness for our salvation, but we try to live life on our own. And so we end up kind of sewing up even religious clothes, you know, to hide our nakedness. We, we know we're not what we should be, but we're afraid to come to God and, and really fully repent. Um, sometimes we're, you know, we feel insecure. And so we wear fig leaves to prop up our worth or titles or positions or possessions to make us appear more than we are. But the problem is we can lose our true self in trying to cover it ourselves all the time. And I just love that God's mercy, even though they had to leave the garden, which was really God's mercy, otherwise they could have eaten from the tree of life and been stuck in their fallenness forever. God in his mercy had made them leave, but first he was the one who covered their nakedness. Mm -hmm. And I think if we would understand that, that if we just go, oh God, I'm tired of using these props, I'm tired of putting on these facades, I, I just come to you, would you just cover me? with Christ's righteousness. And would you, I, here's the thing that's so beautiful. Would you help me discover what you had in mind when you made the original me? That's what we get to step into when we stop trying to cover our nakedness with fig leaves. Mm -hmm. I like that. Joanna Weaver is my guest. Her book is Embracing Trust. Uh, let's talk about idols. Yeah, yeah. Boy, you know, when it comes to this issue of trust, I think I think it's important. Sometimes we think that's just an Old Testament thing, and we don't, you know, have 
carved idols that we bow down and worship. So we sometimes don't understand that we too can struggle with idolatry. But it is a serious issue because whenever we look to God, to anything but God, for, for those deep things of life, for, for meaning, for security, for significance, we can tend to be crafting idols. And so we just talk about that, different the different ways that we're not really trusting God as much as maybe trusting our bank account or trusting, you know, our how how what a wonderful house we have or or like I said, or a, a wonderful husband like mine, you know. Wherever I something becomes necessary to me to the point that if it was taken away, I wouldn't know how to live, then that's probably an idol in my life that needs to be dealt with. And I love that the Lord doesn't just point out things to just shame us, you know, or blame us, but He actually shows us how to dismantle those, I call it smashing the idols in our lives. And for me, that's, you know, asking the Holy Spirit, what what is having more influence on my life than it should? What am I looking to more than I'm looking to God? And and the Lord's so kind to reveal those places where idolatry has crept in. You know, uh, our kids can become idolatry. You know, if we feel like, yeah, if anything would happen to my kids, I don't know what I would do. I don't know if I could serve God. Well, they might have a place that they should not have in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not precious. And I think that's the thing that's important to remember. Even good things can become God things. But when they usurp God's place in our affection and our devotion, then that's idolatry. And so I've just learned to say, Lord, show me, search me, see if there be any wicked way in me. And then when he does reveal any kind of idolatry, maybe it's something that just has become almost an addiction, a habit, a life-controlling behavior. That could be idolatry as well. And so when he points it out, remembering that he only reveals so he can heal, and so renouncing that, repenting and renouncing, and then asking the Holy Spirit to show us how to replace it with God's truth and, and to begin to make new patterns. If, if it is an addiction, that, that we go out of our way to, to remove that from our lives so we don't constantly stumble over it. And the Holy Spirit's been so kind to help me. Um, you know, there are areas in my life that it hasn't been a magic wand, but I can look back and go, that thing doesn't have the power that it used to have in my life. And that's all because I've given God access. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that he's more than willing to help us. Mm-hmm. Joanna Weaver is my guest. Joanna, l- let's talk about contentment and how that helps us have a deeper trust in God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, we live in this culture where more isn't ever enough because there's always more. And so we can just feel that constant craving for the next new thing, the next new tech item, the next new phone. And if we're not careful, it can cultivate a discontent with everything in our lives. And and I think the thing that has helped me is as, again, we talk about the first half of the back, the book is how to let go and surrender to, to really relinquish those things that maybe we're, we're holding more tightly to than we're holding on to God. As we empty our hands, then he's able to fill them with himself. And I'm just finding 
that when I can get to that place where I'm not looking to things or even people or situations, but I can be content, like Paul says, no matter what state I'm in, I've learned to be content. That's where true joy and peace is. And isn't that what we're looking for? We really are looking for that inner tranquility, even in the midst of chaos. We're looking for joy that that isn't based on happenings, but that goes down again to bedrock. And I'm just learning that if I can say, okay, Lord, this is the beautiful life you've given me. I may not have everything I think I need, but Lord, I know that you love me. I belong to you and you take care of your own. Then I'm more easily able to embrace the life I have rather than be discontented with the one that I think I need. Mm-hmm. Joanna, how do we choose faith over fear? Oh, yeah. This has been a really important thing for me of, of just letting, um, you know, rather than having fear trigger panic, to let it trigger trust instead. And so I, I found it just helpful to go, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this fear or is this faith? Because, boy, fear can just, I mean, you can be doing really well and then all of a sudden just get sideswiped. By fear, and so I, I'm constantly having to to do a little bit of a heart check. Now there are legitimate concerns in life. There there are cons, you know legitimate concerns, but what am I doing with those concerns? A- am I obsessing about them? Am I freaking out about them, or am I taking them to Jesus? And I'm just realizing that I can I can turn my worries into prayer. By simply just adding dear Jesus to the <laughs> top of them, right? And rather than just, you know, having this inner dialogue and this these fear t- spirals or picking up the phone and, and, and freaking out with a friend, instead, taking all of my cares to the Lord. And as we're told in First Peter, cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. And that doesn't mean He doesn't just have con- affection for you. He wants to work on your behalf. And I just probably have time for one more question, but as we try to rest in God's sovereignty, not always easy to do. Maybe you could give us some encouragement on that topic. Well, honestly, I really think it all comes back to surrender. Mm. Um, Because if I have only given Jesus my heart, but I've retained control of everything else, then I will have God on parole. (laughs) God will sort of have to do what I want him to do. I'll come to him with my wish list. And if he doesn't fulfill every single thing, then I will fall into um, discouragement, disillusionment, doubt, and then unbelief. And so I I can point back to a moment as a 14-year-old girl when God said, I want all of you, Joanna. I don't want just part of your heart. I want everything. And it was the scariest moment of my life. And I knew, I knew that it was the Holy Spirit that was saying, mm-hmm. it's now, it's now. And I took that leap and I talk about it in the book of just uh, I'd love a to leap hear, of faith. Uh, yeah, I, we're li- literally out of time. So I'm, I have to cut you a little short, Joanna, but thank you so much for being on the show. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. Joanna Weaver's been my guest. Her book is Embracing Trust. We're going to take a break and then come back with Aletha Barnett. She's going to talk about negotiating conflict. 
You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. Okay, here's a pop quiz. Have you ever unfriended a friend? Or maybe there's a family member who you kind of have stopped talking to because they believe differently than you. And, the, you know, the, the world is full of conflict, but there are lots of people that are, have these heated arguments behind their keyboard and they fire off these emails and these texts and it is not pretty. But sometimes um, conflict can get really uh, problematic and we get to the point where we literally stop talking to each other. So we're going to talk to Aletha Barnett. She's written a book called Diversity of a Different Kind. She says, no arena of society exists free of conflict. And that I know to be true. Aletha, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be with you, Bill. Thank you for having me. I am so uh, delighted to meet you. Um, let's let's talk about, now, first, the title of your book, Diversity of a Different Kind. So sometimes I think of or of race or gender when we discuss diversity. But you look at diversity on a much broader scale. How do you define diversity? Well, my definition of diversity is very simple. It's just differences. <laughs> okay. And God has created uh, diversity in so many ways well beyond race. You mentioned race. We've got uh, spiritual gift differences, personality differences, and we know those personality differences can bring uh, clashes, even learning styles, generational differences, gender differences. We talk about 12, at least 12 differences in the book that are common to all of us that can bring clashes. Mm-hmm. And I know in your book, you, you sort of encourage people to allow for differences. Um, so how should we uh, look at that and how should we navigate our way through these differences? Because we have conflict all over the place. You know, we've heard that God loves diversity. Just look around. And, of course, we know he loves diversity. But God is also strategic. Uh, The book is really a fresh approach to resolving conflict. And we should look at diversity as an assignment. When we have these diversity encounters and we have these clashes, those are assignments from God to teach us something. So we should embrace the differences and learn to grow uh, from the differences. That's his chief aim for us, is to grow to be uh, more Christ-like. So our strategic God created human diversity, and this is the theory of the book, to give us naturally arising opportunities to practice biblical principles. And when we do that, it produces the byproduct of Christ-like character growth. That's what he wants for us more than anything, is to grow and when we grow, it gives us the wisdom to unify and be at peace instead of conflict and division. Mm, so good. Aletha Barnett is my guest. Her book is Diversity of a Different Kind, A Fresh Approach to Resolving Conflict. So, Aletha, we talked about spiritual growth just a little bit and unity and love. How do they all fit together? Well, it's all undergirded by love. If we could get love right, we've got it all. Because we know (laughs) that the two greatest commandments, love God with everything within you, that's my little interpretation. And, of course, love your neighbor as yourself. And when we love people, 
we won't do them harm. They won't do us harm. Uh, it will just work together uh, for our good. And so we approach it in terms of love. And we also approach it in terms of respecting people. Everybody is made in God's image. So that in and of itself makes us valuable. And we treat valuables with care. The most precious valuable you have is not more valuable than any uh, human being. You speak the truth. Thank you. Let's talk about the three-pronged approach to managing differences, because we all have them and we need some help in this department. Yeah, there's a three-pronged approach. And the first one is, when you have that in diversity encounter, as I said, look at that as an assignment from God. That encounter didn't get to you, but that God allowed it. Mm. And like our, our human teachers give us assignments, for what they want us to learn, no less the master teacher allows us to have these encounters so we can grow from there. And the second part of that is that we are ministers of reconciliation. Second Corinthians five seventeen to 20, every believer is a minister of reconciliation. That's not just for preachers and teachers, that's for every one of us. And there are four parts of it. The first part we know, of course, would be salvation. The second part would also be getting others to come to Christ. We are all to make uh, disciples. And the third part that I want to focus on, the third and the fourth part, relate to peacemaking. We are to live peaceful, reconciled lives ourselves, and fourth, help other people do the same. So to rehash first, it's an assignment. Second, you are a minister of Reconciliation, another way that we hear it commonly said is that we are ambassadors of Christ. And the third one is the icing on the cake. You follow biblical principles, Mm. properly interrelate with others. If we apply biblical principles to it, then we've got it. Aletha Barnett, that is beautiful coaching. I am ready to get back in the game right now. Let's let's talk about um, how we can experience constructive conflict management with other people. Because if we're not patient, if we don't have tools, it can go bad really quickly. Yes. Constructive uh, conflict management. There, well, before we say that, let's say there are two ways to handle conflict. You either handle it constructively or you handle it destructively. And when you handle it constructively, You handle it in a God-honoring manner. You embrace the differences. You embrace the person. Now, I'm not talking about when I say allow for the differences of others. I'm not talking about allowing for sin. I'm talking about allowing for the different personalities in the person, the different opinions uh, that are not sinful. So we do it constructively. And when we handle it destructively, obviously, Uh, We're handling it in a non-God-honoring manner. We're like on the devil's team when we handle conflict destructively. Mm -hmm. Well, Letha, I want to ask you a question that almost feels a little bit uh, like a fantasy. But how do you think our world would look if if every believer rushed to pursue a a peaceful relationship with every other believer? It would change the world, in fact. Amen. That's, what, that's what the world needs to see, because 
Christ said that you will know my disciples by the love they have for one another. And it would be much like, I guess, Tertullian said in the uh, first century church that even the pagans said, see how they love one another. And that's what the world's not seeing in us oftentimes is see how we love one another. It would change everything. And sometimes, Bill, I feel like the world system is infiltrating the church instead of what the church has flowing out to the culture to make the difference in the world. Yeah, so well said, and I also believe that is true, Aletha. Um, in your book, you, d- you talk about six unchangeable differences. I am real curious as to have you elaborate on all that. Yes, those differences, like I said, are designed uh, by God to give us those naturally arising opportunities to, to help us grow. And these differences uh, are natural. Uh, we've got what we, what I refer to in the book as unchangeable differences, and we also have what I refer to as changeable differences. There are certain things about us that we cannot change. For example, I'm an African-American. That's how God decided to bring me into the world, and that cannot uh, change. And so we have changeable differences, and we also have um, the unchangeable differences. The uh, When we talk about changeable differences, I'll give you an example of, of one of those uh, religions. Oftentimes, we will look at those who are not of the faith and be negative about those, forgetting the fact that at one time, we were all outside the faith. Mm-hmm. And so we can't bring people to Christ being negative. We can only do that uh, when we show them love. And so I'm trying to specifically get here to the um, unchangeable differences. I'll name uh, a couple of them. Spiritual gifts, as I said. And you know the thing about the spiritual gifts, they are specifically given to us to unify the body and to build up and mature the church. And yet we have uh, sometimes unhealthy jealousies as a result of it. And then we have our, speaking again, continuing with the unchangeable differences, personalities. We've got the personality classes that we're familiar with. And then most people would be familiar, familiar with the DISC personalities. There's the direct personality. There's the critical personality. There's the life of the party, the I uh, on the DISC personality, and also the S supportive personality. We need all of those. Sometimes when we're out of order, we need that critical personality, but they just need to remember to speak the truth and love and not uh, criticism. And sometimes we need that S-supportive personality. Moving, I don't want to belabor the time on those, but God gave us exactly what we need. And he wired us to need each other, even in the personalities, in the spiritual gifts. We need each other, designed so we could need each other. The learning styles, the race, generational differences, and even gender. And then the changeable ones, of course, would be uh, religion. Politics, God help us. <laughs> and oh, then we've got yeah. experiences, socioeconomics, and even the way we respond to conflict. Some are inclined naturally to attack, some 
inclined to run from it, and then some are more inclined to be peacemakers. And even when we talk about unchangeable differences, personal preferences can lead to conflict. And then never forget the fact that the spiritual maturity level, if I would stress any right now, it would be that one. Everybody's not at the same level as everybody else. And so let's bear the infirmities of the weak, uh, those who may not know how to handle conflict. And so we want to model it for them. We want to encourage them. And then there are people, of course, who are outside the faith who may thrive in conflict. So we've got all these differences that when we learn how to operate with love, it helps us grow, it helps other people grow, and it makes the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Aletha Barnett is my guest, and it sounds, Aletha, like uh, we're kind of a messy group, but God had a purpose in all of our messiness. Absolutely. He's strategic. And, you know, <laughs> one of the things that I, I, I said to myself when this theory came to me and right before that, it was like, God, you're a God of peace. You want to set peace and all these differences cause conflict. And I'm like, what's up with that? What? Why? And so it came to me that he's strategic. He did it for a reason. And we know that adversity builds character. Mm-hmm. And so when we're going through it, we're not just going through it, we should grow through it. Mm. So wise. That is so wise. Thank you for uh, reminding us of that. Uh, Aletha Barnett is my guest. Her book is Diversity of a Different Kind, a Fresh Approach to Resolving Conflict. So when I uh, come back from the break, I want to ask her about uh, generation, generational things and how do the generations differ and how can they experience more unity? We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to the show. My guest is Aletha Barnett. She is a theologian, a lawyer, and a conflict resolution specialist who's directed the Conflict Resolution Ministry at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship in Dallas for over 30 years. She's founder of the Conciliation Services, which provide conflict uh, resolution services and training to churches, other individuals, and organizations. Uh, Her book is called Diversity of a Different Kind, A Fresh Approach to Resolving Conflict. So, Aletha, I would love for you um, to focus on generational. How, how do the generations differ, and how can they experience more unity? God designed us to live in generational cycles. Mm-hmm. And the first one you can look at is the basic family unit. You've got parents and children in different generations. Obviously, a child cannot take care of itself, so God put us in uh, generational uh, differences designed by um, what happens during that period of time. And we live in generational cycles, and scientists have done studies and research uh, 
and we have let's talk about the generation the greatest generation which was one time referred to as the uh, builder generation that would be the world war ii uh people the fdr administration and and um the great depression then you've got the silent generation which was next uh the boomer generation and we've all heard of at one time the boomer generation was the uh, largest generation but as that generation is moving on like the others you've got gen x and of course um gen z and certain things define uh each uh generation but one of the things is that just take the millennials for uh example and uh, you hear people complaining about the millennials uh all the time but god gave us the different generations. For example, the Bible was very clear that the older generation is to mentor the younger generation. Specifically, it talked about older men mentoring the younger men and older women mentoring uh, the younger women. But he gives qualifications for mentoring that you be mature in the faith. So that which causes clashes, that's what God gave us to help each other, because as you age, you should be gaining wisdom, and that which you have gained, you could share it with the younger uh, generation, with the younger generations. And when you think about scripture, for example, in Exodus, it says, Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. Mm-hmm. It says the same thing about David, for David, after he had served the purposes of God in his generation, he fell asleep. And it's a number of different examples of that. However, the thing to remember is though our generations pass away, God is constant and reigns forever. And so our focus should be on glorifying God, which is the chief uh, thing throughout Scripture. The main thing throughout Scripture is to bring God glory. That is exactly why we were created. According to Isaiah 43 and 7, we were created for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 tells us whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. And so these intergenerational battles are, are not wise because it all passes away. Mm-hmm. And as the old expression goes, only what we do for Christ will last. I love that. Olitha Barnett is my guest. Her book is Diversity of a Different Kind. Earlier, uh, before the break, we talked about unchangeable differences that you discussed in your book. And I would love maybe if you would talk about some examples of changeable differences, because that has me at the edge of my seat right now. I'll just talk specifically about religion. That's a changeable difference. Okay. All of us were at one time outside the faith. Of course. Your audience, of course, uh, would be believers, I believe. And so we were outside of the faith, and we were able to change to uh, accept Christ. And the thing that is so wonderful about Christianity, it is the only religion where we don't have to do something to please our God. He accepts accepts us based on grace. We don't deserve it. Uh, but he gives it to us. Mm-hmm. Another changeable difference would be ch- spiritual maturity level that changes. And thank God, <laughs> because there was a time that I could not have been a guest talk- talking about conflict resolution. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I had not matured to that level. And so our maturity level is uh, progressive. That's what sanctification is all about. And so when we're dealing with other people, let's remember they may not be at the level we are. Like we change, give them love and grace, Mm. and they too uh, will change. And when we change with the spiritual maturity level, then we will learn how to um, allow for the differences of others. Even the way we respond to conflict, Bill, I may have mentioned this, is different. Some of us are, are escape people from conflict. Some are peacemakers, and some are even attack people. I had an uh, an employee that used to work with us, and we, we said, she's got to fight with someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. That's just her style, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we've all seen those who just seem like they thrive uh, in conflict. Yeah. But but in terms, but they can change. They can change mm-hmm. by the grace of God. Uh, and we, they, some of them might have come into that honestly if they grew up in a home where uh, yelling was the way that you uh, realized something was being said and communicated. And that's how you got to the conclusion of something with a raised voice. That is exactly right. We learn uh, different things from our environment, from our experiences, from my, from the way we were reared. Uh, there was one lady who talked in a certain manner and was somewhat hostile. And I met her many years ago and visited her. She wanted us to visit, uh, go visit her mom. And her mom had the same mannerisms, the same incident. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then I, then I understood more. Yeah. All right, Aletha, let, maybe we can talk about conflict in, in, a, in a healthier and more biblical way. Again, I, I want to go back to some wonderful tools we can, we can learn for being healthier. One of the tools and the, the, one of the primary ones that I mentioned was just allow for the differences of others. Mm. We're not wired the same way. God didn't put us. Uh, put us together uh, in the same way. And so the tools are important because conflict is unavoidable. We know we're going to have conflict. And it's much like when I, I worked at a bank many years ago, we didn't know whether we would ever have a robbery, but we were prepared. Mm-hmm. And so we know we're going to have conflict. So let's put tools in our arsenals to help us uh, manage uh, conflict. And one of the things to remember is, I'll give two different ones and hopefully we'll, we can get them in, uh, is when you get the encounter, recognize it's an assignment from God, you're an ambassador of Christ, and then separate that fellow image bearer from their behavior. Bear with the person and treat them with respect and dignity and recognize that their behavior is what you are dealing with. Oftentimes, it's not conflict. It's the condition of the heart more than the fact that it's conflict. Mm-hmm. And so you also try to separate and see, is this conflict based on a differing opinion or if it's a sin issue? If it's a different opinion, if you can, compromise, because we all have different perspectives and allow for differences. But if it's a sin issue, don't compromise. Another tool to always remember is to 
remember love. Mm. And then um, Matthew 18, 15, 17, it gives us the steps for conflict resolution. Matthew 15, if your brother or sister sins against you, go to them just between the two of you. And if they listen, you want them. But what we do oftentimes is we go and tell our friends and they tell our friends and they polarize when they should have never been involved. So go first to the person in private. And then Matthew eighteen sixteen would be take someone along with you if you were not able to uh, resolve it. And the mm-hmm. like the Matthew eighteen seventeen tell it to the church. And that's where the church needs to come in to keep peace in the body of Christ. And just a hit of just a couple of others is that let who you are dictate your actions. If you profess Christ, you're his ambassador. And so let who you are guide your behavior. And what that really says is let your actions show love. Mm-hmm. Got that unruly tongue. The last one is watch your words. Oh, yeah, that is so true. Thank you so much for uh, bringing so much great content and full of scripture and always reminding us of love. So thank you for being on the show. It's been a delight meeting you. Thank you. It's been a delight being on the show, and I appreciate your having me. Thank you. Aletha Barnett's been my guest. Her book is Diversity of a Different Kind, a Fresh Approach to Resolving Conflict with a Forward by Dr. Tony Evans. If you want to receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic, you can sign up for, for the verse of the day at myfaithradio.com. I think you should do it. I think it's great. Have a great night, and God bless. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.